This is A Quiet Revolution, brought to you by NatWest, a proud partner of the Women's Prize for Fiction. I'm James Sullivan, and in this podcast series, we're celebrating the 25th year of the Women's Prize for Fiction by bringing you conversations with some of the UK's most talented authors, comedians, creative writing teachers, and ultimately, devotees of reading and writing. In this episode, we're focusing on the act of reading itself. While we spend huge portions of the day reading emails, texts, notifications and news alerts, the simple act of reading a book seems to operate on a different level. Whether as a distraction tool or a creative stimulus, the effect of reading continues to be a powerful force. The way you are just transported out of yourself, the way you enter other lives, um, and the way sort of you lose sense of time. Your connection with an author through a book is really a mind-blowing thing. You can read a book that was written in 1750, And when you're in that book and reading what they wrote and seeing the characters that they created, you are having a conversation with that person who has been dead for 200 years. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I think reading is my secret friend. Um, You know, I think it provides that safe space and that safe place to explore what I'm feeling, to work through my experiences, to, to relax to escape, to set my own agenda, if you like. Reading is what opens your heart up to all of the emotions. You see, we see all of our strongest emotions reflected on the pages of a book. Hi. Morning, Viv, how are you? Morning, I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How's this acoustic for you? Is this all right? Because I'm in a slightly different... Okay, good. My name is Viv Groskop. I'm a writer, comedian, and a judge on the 2020 Women's Prize. I think that your life as a reader is a huge touchstone that is connected to your mental well-being. And for me, if I'm not reading, I don't have equilibrium. And I can always find balance and a sense of inner peace and calm by reading the right thing at the right time. Now, sometimes it can be difficult to find the right thing in the right time at the right time. And it can be frustrating if you're, if you love to read and suddenly you lose your ability to read or you just feel you can't concentrate or you can't connect. But I really think that it's important to try and stay connected to yourself as a reader, even when your mental health is fragile or you're not feeling yourself. I grew up in Bruton in Somerset and we had a small local town library and I would just be in there two, three times a week. It's on the corner uh, as you come into the high street. I felt always really calm and that there was this sense of discovery that you never knew quite what you would happen upon. And it's just very... um, airy light filled um building where you could just sit and get lost in a book my name is debbie hicks i'm creative director and a founder member of the reading agency Um, and one of the things i'm i'm most proud of is that i have an mbe for services to reading i've always been an avid reader and i think it sort of started from when my mum used to take me to the library on a saturday morning which was you know the highlight i think of my week little branch library with a great 
uh, children's section, read through all the age appropriate books by, you know, really quickly. And then I started on Greek mythology, uh, which was uh, which was quite interesting for, for a young reader. And I just kept forgetting all their names. So I gave that up quite quickly. <laughs> Are you still a big reader now? What, how does your reading sort of routine look like these days? Well, I mean, life's very busy for everybody, isn't it? But I think um, I think reading is a really important bit of my routine. And I really like to read at night, you know, after a busy day, because it really helps me to to distress, de-stress, you know, not distress, de-stress, um, you know, takes me off to another world, helps me think about something else or helps me work out, you know, something that I'm trying to work out. And, um, you know, it's a real comfort blanket for me, I think. And you get into this discipline, actually, once you start judging literary prizes, because you have so many books to read, you know, sometimes you might have to read between 60 and 100 books, depending on the prize, um, within a period of several months. So you have to get really disciplined at being able to read three, four, five books a week, um, maybe more. So a Kindle or an iPad is really useful for that because it teaches you that every spare moment is a moment when you can read because you can just whip it out, you go straight back to the page where you were and you can get in another 10, 20, 30, 50 pages. It's a really fantastic skill to have for life, actually, because it means that anytime you're in a waiting room, anytime you're waiting for a train, a bus, um, even if you're in a queue, you know, you can just get out your book or your your device and and you're straight back in the story. And that's been one of the great things about people reading during lockdown, during the pandemic is finding time. You know, people often have this idea that you need to find a huge stretch of time in order to read a book. Well, you don't. You just need to find the time to read 10 pages, then another 10 pages. And it's getting into the habit of finding those little pockets of time in the day that is really useful. It's a good thing if you can find stretches of time. And it's it's the thing that lots of people use holidays for. It's great to have those stretches of time. But when you have more of a routine or more commitments, then try to build your reading around things that you do regularly. So I don't know, 15 minutes before you go to bed or every time you commute to this place, you read fiction or every time you... Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is really antisocial, but standing in the um, at the school gates, you know, I'm often standing at the school gates for 15 minutes with my iPad out <laughs> or even my phone. You know, I read on my phone as well. That's got Kindle on it. So f- learning to find those moments, whether they're regular or whether they're snatched, is just a really great habit to get into. I'm Gamela Shamsi. I'm a novelist. And in 2018, I won the Women's Prize for Fiction for my novel Home Fire. You know, it's one of the regrets in my life that I don't have the relationship with reading that I did as a child where it was just this all-consuming thing that I, you know, used to do hour after hour after hour. And, 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 you know, I remember growing up, I would finish a book and I would have to know immediately what the next book was. And I'd have to go and physically touch the next book almost as a sort of, you know, life feels a bit insecure unless you can say this is the book I'm reading right now. Um. And I do miss that. I don't have that anymore. And it's true that between the writing day, between, you know, the internet and television and your social life and everything, it is possible for reading to fall away. And, and that even someone for whom fiction is such an important thing, I, I, I can find that days go by and I haven't read a page of fiction. Um, and there are times when I will just sort of force myself and say, I'm going to leave all my devices in another room and go and sit there and, and read. And I think the child me would have been appalled that this is something I would have to, 
you know, I wouldn't say force myself to do, but but almost sort of feel the need to be disciplined about. We've probably all had it drummed into us that reading is a healthy thing for our minds. It's like eating greens for your brain, our parents told us. But beyond the anecdotal, there is genuine scientific evidence of its health benefits. In one study in 2013, researchers used MRI scans to measure the effect of reading a novel over a nine-day period. As the story developed, the scans picked up more activity in the brain as different parts were engaged and began connecting with one another. Other studies have found links between regular reading of just 15 to 20 minutes a day and slower cognitive decline in later life. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here's Debbie and then Viv. I spent my sort of whole professional life, if you like, looking at the evidence base for reading. And, um, you know, I think I think it really is absolutely watertight. You know, it's it's fact, not fiction, Um, because reading, you know, not only supports those essential building blocks of literacy and learning, which is so essential to our ability to um, survive and thrive. But, you know, there's different types of reading deliver different types of impact. So, you know, you can read um, a self-help book and it gives you access to um, psychological therapy, for example. There's mood boosting books and stories that help you escape to another world. Reading a novel, you can learn from the experiences of others. There's social benefits of reading. I mean, it's interesting, you know, just looking, doing a quick survey of the evidence base that reading came came number one on the list of most restful activities um, in the REST test, which is a global survey of 18,000 people across 135 countries. And, you know, there are studies that show that blood pressure and stress levels drop after just an hour of reading. I think we have to remember that, that reading is, a, is fun, but it's also um, a, a workout for the brain. And you know what the evidence shows is that reading does build new cognitive uh, pathways in the brain which can be really important especially as we age you know because it keeps the brain active and engaged so there's a really interesting piece of of, of research that took place in America with a with a massive study cohort study which showed that actually reading reduced the risk of dementia uh, by you know, 75% I think taking part in a reading group you know, there's evidence that shows that it can reduce the severity of some of the most more common symptoms of, of dementia. So, you know, the evidence base is absolutely firmly there. Um, you know, not only is reading fun, it is absolutely good for you as well. Have there been times in your life, more difficult times, where you've leaned on reading as a as, as some kind of support? Can you can you think of any examples when you've you sort of had a stressful time or something upsetting has happened and, and reading has been there for you? Yeah, the idea of that has always been present for me because I think when I was growing up, I was quite an irritating <laughs> child and and I was quite, um, I'm quite, uh, you can probably tell I'm quite an intense person and I'm quite, um, I always want to be moving. I always want to be doing things. I always want things to be happening. And because I grow, grew up in quite a quiet, sleepy place, um, that was hard for me and I felt much less anxious and much less worried about things once I started reading. (laughs) So I had the idea in my mind from a really early age that, yeah, books can always be the things that can save you. You just need to find the right book. And there have been many times in my life when I have been comforted by suddenly finding the right book at the right moment. It definitely happened to me at the beginning of the pandemic. I was really, really lost uh, around about March as we went into lockdown and my entire diary empties, you know, 18 months worth of 
work and commitments were gone in 24 hours. This is just my little tiny personal crisis that I was going through, but it was very real (laughs) to me. And I discovered this book called This Too Shall Pass by Julia Samuel. It's a nonfiction report, really, of her life on the front line as a therapist. And she's a very reassuring, comforting, therapeutic presence. And she goes through all these case studies of her clients, which are heavily disguised, because obviously, it's difficult for therapists to write about their clients. And the whole theme of this is this idea of this too shall pass, which is that human beings are incredibly resilient. And no matter what we think, we can't handle actually we probably can and the whole job of a therapist is to teach you you're stronger than you think and it was exactly the right book for the right moment to discover that I found it just it was a lifesaver literally shook me out of a really deep uh, a deep depression <laughs> uh, in in the space of about two or three weeks Hello, I'm Kate Moss. I'm a novelist and a playwright and sometimes a non-fiction writer. And I'm also the founder director of the Women's Prize for Fiction. Is it possible to uh, summarise in some way how reading feels for you in terms of well-being or perhaps just maybe there's a moment in your life that's where you've leaned on reading as a, as a, as a crutch, as it were? It's a really interesting question about what we read and why and when we read it. So there are new books that you greet with great excitement and you devour them, you know, like a whole, you know, whole loaf of freshly baked bread all in one go. And then you regret it um, because the book is gone and you're reading for excitement and for recognition and for uh, worlds that are not yours, all of these things. There are books that are landmark to your life that you return to time and time again because they are familiar friends and there is something about them that uh, speaks to the person that you were as well as the person that you are now. For me, Wuthering Heights is one of those novels. I've read it every decade of my life and it's a different book every time. Um, And it is a work of genius in, in my opinion. And then there are other times when you are in moments of great pain, when you can't read. And when my very beloved father died in 2011, um, and then my mother died very suddenly in 2014, on both occasions for a while, I lost the ability to read because reading is what opens your heart up to all of the emotions. You see, we see all of our strongest emotions reflected on the pages of a book. Um, all the good ones that, you know, the love and joy and the happiness and the fun and the thrill and the excitement and all the difficult emotions of jealousy and pain and hate and, you know, what, whatever they are. And so it was the most extraordinary thing because I, again, very lucky, although I had lost some friends, I didn't lose my parents till I was in my 50s. And it was quite extraordinary what it meant to lose the ability to read because I couldn't concentrate and I couldn't hear any other voice than the voice of grief in my head. And the way that I came back to it was, I think for many people, this is the same, was poems. And the exquisite nature of the perfectly chosen word on the page, the white space around the words on a page, the idea that a poem, if you like, sums up one emotion perfectly, distilled perfectly, whereas a novel 
creates the entire world. So one is exquisite and, and minute and one is enormous. And of course, poetry takes you out into the whole world. And for me, on both occasions, it was T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, which is a reflection, of course, on life and faith um, and death and what it means to be alive and the power of nature and the power of music. And that, I suppose, if I were to choose one book on the desert island, it would be T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, because I believe that all of human emotion Everything that we feel, we can see reflected back in us from a poem of such exquisite beauty as that. I've thought a lot about this because I've written two books that are about the experience of reading. One is The Anna Karenina Fix, Life Lessons from Russian Literature. And the other is called Au Revoir Tristesse, Lessons in Happiness from French Literature. And they're both books that look at different authors and different books and ask what we take away from them and how we're changed as people by reading those works. And they're very personal books for me because they describe how I reinvented myself and escaped from my life through books. And that really happened to me from my adolescence onwards. And I think if it wasn't for discovering certain classical works of literature, whether it's Anna Karenina or um, Madame Bovary or Au Revoir Tristesse, uh, Bonjour Tristesse, I'm quoting my own book there instead of François Sagan, <laughs> um, I would not have had such a broad picture of the world and such a, an idea of what's out there and what's possible. And for me, books are about opening up ideas and possibilities and connections that you never thought about, but that when you discover them, they suddenly feel familiar. So it's a connection for me. And I, I really feel very strongly, and I'm quite obsessed with this idea about this, books and, and your connection with an author through a book is really a mind-blowing thing you can read a book that was written in 1750 and the author is long dead and long forgotten, possibly. And when you're in that book and reading what they wrote and seeing the characters that they created, you are having a conversation with that person who has been dead for 200 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's extraordinary, really. We, I think we kind of take it for granted sometimes. And it's that extraordinary exchange that goes on in the reading experience that I find really interesting that it's almost as if your mind and the author's mind meld and you are seeing the same thing it's one of the most intimate experiences that we have in human existence to be catapulted into a story and conveyed along with it without the other person being present, without you having to make eye contact with them. And as a result, always felt very comforted, very reassured, very excited um, and very um, invigorated by the whole experience of that intellectual exchange that you get. Feeling less alone is one of the biggest parts of reading for me, is when somebody else tells you something and you think, oh yeah, I think that too. I've never said that to anyone. That's the experience of reading. It's absolutely a friend that I've taken through my life with me and has always been really important to me. You know, I think if, if in doubt, I turn to a book 
uh, and it makes the whole day a lot brighter. It's a comfort blanket. It's a, it's it's a it's a secret place to just go and be yourself or to be someone else, whatever you want to be. It has. There are so many different kinds of pleasures. It's the pleasure of a, a really wonderful sentence that you just want to sit and read, and and you know, you know you love a book in a particular way when you're torn between wanting to read faster to get to the next page and also wanting to stop and linger and reread the sentences you love. Um, I think there's something about that, the way you can control the speed at which you consume or devour a book that makes it a particular kind of experience. You don't have that with television. You don't have that with music. You don't have that with sport. You know, they go at their pace. You know, yes, you can stop and rewind, but you can't, you can't say, I'm going to really slow down now. Um, you have to accept the speed at which they're coming to you. Um, and there's something very, very particular about the relationship with a, with a text that you can determine the speed at which you're taking it in. I think that makes it different really to any other experience of pleasure that I know. Thanks for listening to A Quiet Revolution, a podcast brought to you by NatWest. This year, Women's Prize Trust is partnering with NatWest and Curtis Brown to launch Discoveries, a unique programme searching for the most talented and original new female writing voices in the UK and Ireland. Think this could be you? Visit womensprizeforfiction.co.uk and search for Discoveries to find out more.